This podcast is part of the How We Are Network. For information on this episode and many other like-minded shows, visit howweare.org. That's H-O-W-W-E-A-R-E dot O-R-G. And welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. It is a gloomy but beautiful afternoon here in Southern California. The fall is setting in, and even though it's been like fucking 90 degrees here, it is now getting cooler, and that makes me extremely happy. The guest this week, this is a really special show for me because I have always looked up to this guy in regards to his vocal abilities and uh, all the bands he's played in. John Bunch. Currently, he plays in a band called War Generation. And he used to play in bands like Sensefield, Reason to Believe, a lot of these late 80s, early 90s powerhouse bands that blaze trails for a lot of bands that exist today. More on him in a minute. Propertyofzack.com is our media partner, and we love them. So you should visit them. They have all of the latest and greatest in music reviews, show reviews, News about tours, news about releases, whatever you want to find out about independent music, you are going to find it there. So check it out, propertyofzack.com. We love them. And uh, something exciting happened with the podcast. We are now part of a uh, advertising network called The Midroll, M-I-D-R-O-L-L. They, they solicit advertisement for a lot of podcasts, like stuff that I'm like, wow, I can't even believe I'm mentioned in the same realm as a lot of these shows. Because we have partnered with them, there's this thing that I would love for you guys to do. Because basically, since podcasting is still such a, a new medium and no one knows who's listening to it, I need you to take a survey. The survey takes like a minute and a half. It's actually pretty funny. There's funny questions in there, but it's basic stuff like how old you are, what frequency you listen to podcasts about, that sort of stuff. Go to themidroll.com backslash survey backslash words. I will put that in some social networks and places to remind you to take this survey. Um, and for those of you that have already taken it, I really appreciate that. But basically, if you do that, it helps out the show tremendously. They're able to figure out like, hey, here's the age range of people that listen to this show. And here's where we can talk about people doing ads and stuff. Because basically, my hope is that if I am starting to see some money from this, I'm obviously not just going to put it in my pocket and say thank you very much. I want to invest in this show. I want to give myself the ability to, you know, drive and fly and take trips to do interviews with people. That's what I would love to happen. Because uh, obviously, I do this because I enjoy it and I have fun with it. But it, you know, it costs me money. It costs me money to host these files for you. It costs me money to drive around and interview people. It costs me money to buy the recorder to do this stuff. Like you know, it all adds up. And granted, it's not a ton, but it's enough to be like, yo. This would be great if I got this reimbursed somehow or some way. But anyways, do that survey. I really appreciate it. If you are feeling ever so generous and you've done that survey and you're like, man, I want to help out the show more, go to the iTunes store, drop us some stars as far as the review is concerned. And if you're feeling gracious, you can also type in some sentences about the show, telling people your favorite episodes, that sort of stuff. And then uh, visit the website, 100wordspodcast.com. Occasionally, I like to invite a good friend of mine who is the 100 words or less cultural correspondent. 
He basically finds the best stuff for you to get into, usually not directly related to music, more so in the movies, books, multimedia environment that we all exist in. So without further ado, here is my guest, Scott Arnold, and then I will pop back in, talk about John Bunch, and then we'll go into the interview. Sounds good? Okay. All right, Scott, you have some more uh, cultural correspondence. Right back at you. Right back at us. Let's, let's talk. What do you got? I've commented before or suggested the longform.org website. Yes, you have. They also have a podcast. Yes, they do. Have you heard it? I haven't listened to it at all. It's really good. So they just have like an hour-long interview with authors. Okay. Of deep journalistic integrity. Sure. Craziness. Right, right. Really smart people. And there's one in particular. Okay. About, you remember Good Magazine? Of course. It was the magazine. um, It still exists. I don't know if it still exists. Really? Okay, I, th- I subscribed I think to it. was it. Al Gore's kid. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I just remember I subscribed because they're, and I think part of the subscription model was that you, uh, whatever, like 75% of your subscription price would go towards a charity of your choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just remember it wasn't being- sustainable. And then magazines come out like every two months or six months. And yeah. They couldn't get it together. Sure. But there was an interview with the former editor of the magazine, mm-hmm. and she tells the story of how after a party one day, they were all summoned to the office in the morning, and the entire editorial staff was dismissed, Ugh. and they were just going to take it into a different direction. Right. So I think it's a website now, and there's no... Ah, uh, uh, there's no print. Yeah. That's like the... Uh, you, it's just always crazy, like, because uh, just this past week, there's this company called Buzz Media, who they own a lot of websites. They own, like, uh, portions of, like, Absolute Punk, like, Property of Zach, uh, Punk News, whatever. There's just a lot... They're, but then they also own, like, the Kardashians' websites. Like, whatever. They're mm. just, like, sort of a, a pop culture, tastemaker sort of company. Um, and a lot of people at those, like, independent sites, like, you know, Punk News and whatever, they had to let, like, people that were hired specifically to, like, maybe write for that site or whatever, like, they were let go. And, like, a lot of people that work at this, like, Buzz Media office in L.A. were let go. And these are people. So, like, you know, I, I mean, I know a lot of the people that work at these offices and just being, like, I don't know. You just you feel because we're involved in like an independent culture, they are owned by a large conglomerate that kind of removes it. But you're just like when it it's like one person away from you remove, or it's just like, oh man, like a person shows up for work on Monday, yeah, and then <laughs> they get that notice, and it's like, holy shit, that's crazy. Sad. Yeah, but so that podcast was enlightening. As so what, how many of the people did they lose? I don't know overall. Like nothing. I didn't see anything published like officially as far as like, oh, this happened. Yeah, <laughs> but. You just, it's like I would see, you know, people on Twitter being like, well, this is my last day here. It was nice working with you all. And I'm like, oh, God, it's rough. Yeah, well, what was cool about this uh, interview is that she didn't have a... Oh, non-disclosure? Yeah, yeah there's yeah. no non-disclosure. And she was like, yeah, I don't have a non-disclosure. Let's talk. That's amazing. And she just laid everyone out to dry. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible when people think. <laughs> One of the most recent episodes of WTF, Mark Maron, he had this, uh, or Jim Brewer, he was in Half Baked and whatever. He, because um, Mark Maron's obsessed about his particular interaction with Lauren Michaels when he was auditioning for Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. like obsessed. Like he he's documented that on his show like a million times, talking about these twenty minutes of his interaction with him and how he eventually didn't end up getting the Weekend Update. That's what oh. he was. But on this episode, Jim Brewer was at Saturday Night Live and like he kind of saw it from the other side, mm-hmm. and so he revealed all this shit as far as like. This is how it was working. Yeah. Where, like, Mark got a lot of clarity in regards to, like, 
oh, I see why I didn't get the job now. And just, again, like that whole, you know, it's not like there's any non-disclosure agreement on Saturday Night yeah. Live. People talk about their experiences all the time. But for Jim Brewer to kind of go out there and be like, hey, here's like what really, really happened. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like, oh, shit, that's crazy. But yeah, yeah. I, I like it when people are able to kind of have enough distance to be able to speak objectively and intelligently rather yeah. than like, you know, whatever, interview a person two months after they've lost their job. Like, it's the fucking war at last. You hate me since day one. And it's like, how is that constructive? Yeah. So long for a podcast. Yeah, listen to that. Okay, I'll check it out. Yeah, I don't know. I've been between the newsroom. Yep. Season five of The Wire, which we just finished again. Great. Journalism is pretty cool. It like is cool. Hardcore people. Like, they don't get paid much, but they don't care. And right, right. It's about the truth. And- it's a, uh, such a labor of love. And like the, I especially, <laughs> Um, I just watched uh, 30 for 30 on, um, gosh, I'm totally blanking on the guy's name, but he owned the New York Islanders. Um, the Asian guy? No, he, uh, he's, he's a white guy from Texas. Long story short, there's totally faked his way into owning the team for mm-hmm. like four or five months. Mm-hmm. Didn't have the money. Mm-hmm. And completely like forged documents, like just crazy shit. The story's insane. Um, I want to say that, yeah, it's 30 for 30. It's called Big Shot. But um, I'll write that down. Yeah, yeah, you'll like it. Basically, the person who broke the story on the truth of this dude uh-huh. um, was just like a local beat reporter for the, you know, the local uh, hockey team or whatever. Yeah. And just like his passion, like, you know, I mean, he's probably making like $18,000 a year. Yeah. And it's like, he's just like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to break this. I'm going to make this happen. And it's like, yeah, the dedication to finding out the truth is awesome. Do you listen to um, Dan Carlin's podcast this week? I haven't yet. No. It's, a, it's kind of about journalism now versus what it used to be I'm so driven by profits today I have one more it's Top Chef that's okay we can talk about Top Chef it's the only TV show I watch so what okay They're in New top, top Chef's on Bravo right yeah what you've never like have you watched it in the past do you care about it a lot oh yeah like historically it's a big part of my life you've been on board since season since one since the beginning yeah interesting what's so compelling about it because I've only watched bits and pieces <clears throat> Well, these are people with skills. These are people near the top of their field. Sure. I think it's probably like the upper, I don't know, 20%. Right. Well, there's a few scragglers, but the people that win and are, and are competitive, right. they're very accomplished. Yeah, they already have like owned restaurants and yeah, like, are accredited, yeah. I don't know anything about the awards, but they're like yeah. James Beard people. Okay. So like seeing masters of their, their domain mm-hmm. like, compete is really awesome. Right. And uh, I, don't know. I don't know anything about food, but it's just fun to watch. Right. Interesting. Yeah, there are new. There, my friend does that. Chi- what's the chick's name? One of the chick judges. Sup, Padma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, he does her hair, really? her hair and makeup, and he says she's terrible. <laughs> As a person. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. She that, that she. I mean, at one point she was cool, but like I, I think she she has fluctuated ever since. But that's my only. She runs in weird crowds. She and she just got nominated for uh, an Emmy, I think, too. I think that for Top Chef. Yeah, for like best reality show host. Oh. But lost out to uh, Tim Gunn and Heidi Klum for Project Runway. Wow. Yeah, she uh, got knocked out by a billionaire. Really? Yeah. That's what propelled her to start. No, <laughs> I'm just I don't kidding. Know. Like is, she, she, is she an actual chef herself? Or she dabbles? Or she's just <laughs> she dabbles in chefs? Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm just kidding. Did you hear about Ja Rule's uh, microwave cookbook? Mm-mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's put on a microwave cookbook. Really? Yeah. How, how you make food in microwaves. And here's the cuisine. I think it was, it's framed in the context of prison. 
Ah. Yeah, yeah. It's you like, have a microwave in prison? Uh, sure, maybe. I don't know. You know, our references to prison are Oz and Orange is the New Black, so. In the wire. I've, I mean, I've never been in prison. No. Did no. you do okay? No. I would do terribly. What would you do? I would, I mean. Would well, you keep your head down or would you try to, like, join yeah. the gang? Oh, I wouldn't try to join it. I mean, what? Oh, first of all. Aryan Nation, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I only have one choice in the matter, and it's obviously joining the brothers who. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'd last very long. Before. Why do you keep following us? Because <laughs> all I would, I'd probably just talk to them about uh, social media. Be like, so how, like. How do, I, how do we get Wi Fi up in here? <laughs> do who do I talk to? Is there is there is there iPads on loan? Because I, yeah. I really I, I would just love to sign into my iCloud and download some of my my books. <laughs> I, think I got some stuff to read in there. Well, do you think you'd last long in, in prison? I don't think you would. Why? You're taller, so maybe you just keep your head down, though, right? Yeah, true books. Would it'd be you awesome not have anyone bother me for a couple of years? I, that's what I think. Where it's like something about the idea of just being like dedicating yourself to fitness and reading as many old books. Yeah. Because it's not like they're getting the newest Malcolm Gladwell yeah. inside of prison. So just be like, okay, I'm just going to do this for it's like vacation. <laughs> well, I think that's... A, a bunch of other scary people. Well, because... And I imagine the type of crimes that you and I would maybe commit would be the more white-collar crimes, because I don't see us, you know, delving into... Well, maybe you would. Murder. Yeah. So maybe... Whatever. We'd get, we'd get thrown into, you know, embezzlement or fraud or something like yeah. that. So we'd probably go to a very... Nicer prison. Like, you can go to work during the day. Right, like Cape Cod. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. work during the day. Really? Yeah. Work yeah. release prison? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Referencing that 30 for 30, like the dude that owned the team yeah. fraudulently, it's just, it, it blows my mind how little of time that spent that people spend in jail for doing, like, I mean, this guy committed massive amounts of fraud. Yeah. And he got four years granted shortly after he got out he went right back in because he committed fraud on another business that he uh owned shortly after it like he spent like two three million dollars on yourself during this time and it's just like that's all you get four years i know and then a person that has like you know four ounces of marijuana on their third strike it's like 30 plus years (laughs) shouldn't have screwed up how is bernie madoff gonna be in there until he dies i think so but I mean, he's probably just kind of like... Yeah, he's, he's probably... He's, like, he's representing all of the financial... Right, right. He's, failures. he's bearing the burden of many, many people. But right I'm with you, Bernie. Right. <laughs> well, thank you for your recommendation, Scott. You're I welcome. appreciate it. I'll be back. So there's Scott's picks. He definitely lets you know what's up. And honestly, I, I really do respect his opinion, and I think you will benefit from the things that he recommends. John Bunch, current band that he is in is called War Generation. They just released a record on Rise Records. Uh, it's awesome. Like, honestly, if you've ever liked anything that he has put his vocal pipes to, you will enjoy this. The record is great. I personally also loved his past work, especially with Sensefield. Sensefield was a huge band for me, as I will talk about in the interview. Uh, so I won't get into that into too much detail. But basically, it opened up the door for me listening to stuff that wasn't quote unquote heavy. And John was super gracious, had me over at his house. He lives like less than five minutes from me, which is funny. When I was setting up the interview, it was like, oh, <laughs> you live like five minutes from my house. So. Totally opened up his, his house and just had me over, had a really nice chat one morning, and uh, just just a very genuine guy. I left feeling like, hey, this was more than just an interview. This was like, because I'd never met the guy before. And I, you know, like I've mentioned in previous episodes, I always get nervous when I don't have any sort of pre-existing context for a person where I kind of have to do a lot of uh, 
a lot of quantifying myself like hey i'm not just some random like blog kid that has no clue what they're doing whatever it's like oh i've i go to shows i've worked in the music industry <laughs> whatever i lay all this stuff out for them and sometimes i feel like you know maybe i just don't need to do that maybe i just need to exist on my own merit but sometimes i feel like i'm like no there's a reason i'm here and i, I need to prove it to you <laughs> so but john was super gracious he, i didn't need to do any of that and he would have been fine with it so here's my conversation with john bunch and uh yeah Right. Well, yeah, you're not you're not given the um, uh, yeah you're not given the attention because you're the the modern day standards in which bands are measured yeah. were clearly not the way bands were measured you know even five years ago yeah. let alone obviously when you were your most active yeah <laughs> like record sales don't matter it's Facebook likes oh for sure you know? yeah, yeah, yeah I mean that's what's so screwy I know and in the and the other thing is we we have some other friends that. You know, the guy that I'm playing with, Brad, is 10 years younger than me. Right, right. right. That's the Malian dude, right? That's, yeah. yeah. And when we were working on this, I, you know, once I turned 40, I started to certainly feel like we need to move sure. forward. You know, right, like right, right. I can't sit around and wait for four years, five years to. Of course. You know, because I'll be 45 years old. Right, you right, know? right, right. And how many more years do you have left touring and making records? Like, of course. And, you know, his thing was, like, let's take our time. And, and we weren't, I mean, I, I was listening to him. He was listening to me. Mm-hmm. But he didn't have that sense of urgency the way, right, the right. way, the way that you did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. From just and, a sheer timing perspective. Right. right yeah. And so what happened was, uh, what bands do now, they do this big setup where they'll do, like, a teaser. And yep. they'll do, like, a, and then so... And they'll do like six months waiting to build up like Facebook likes and, of and, course. and then they'll do the big release and push. But I don't know if I'll ever do another record. You start to... Of course. Yeah. You start to come... Of yeah. Course. Start closing in on yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, I don't know if I'll ever do another record or tour again. Like, I want to fucking do this now. Of course. Like, let's go now. And and I think that's what's... On some on some level, it's backfired in terms of uh-huh. record sales and, and Facebook likes. And, sure. Because... We just recorded it, put it out, and like, here right. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was like, where the fuck did this come from? Oh, totally, totally. You know? Yeah, yeah. But in my world, like, it might, it might take longer on the other end for right. people to find out. At least it's out. Of course. Well, they have, and, they have, they have something, I mean, because from that mentality, people have something to immediately latch onto rather than like one song or right. a 30-second snippet. They right. have an entire body of work that's already established. Right. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Take this. it or leave it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like this is it. You know. So <laughs> yeah. No. For sure. That, that was somewhat of uh, the difference where. Yeah. You know, Brad was like, "Well, fuck!" Like he, all his other friends' bands are doing these elaborate setups. Of course, and taking plenty of time. Yeah. Here's like an eight nine month plan yeah. for just the the setup of the announcement of this. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I understand what you're saying. So that that uh, yeah. that was. It's a different perspective than what you're used yeah. to. Yeah, and yeah. Brad understands. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I just kept having to remind him, like, dude, I know it's hard, but like, step into my shoes, just, just, right, just, just, just a pretend, little, pretend yeah, yeah. you're me, right, for and think about where I'm what, coming, what from. it's like, yeah, yeah what it's like to be me. Not, it's not, not to make it all about me, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't want to sit around and wait for five years to put out a record. Of course, you know, because right, right. I don't have. Yeah, yeah. Time. right, right. Yeah. Just from p- purely a time standpoint, <laughs> I need. There's something I want to do, and I want. I would like to do this sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I usually start these things off with just my own, like, a personal anecdote to kind of get the conversation going of what 
my entry point to you as a musician and you know yeah. mu- your musical output. So you know, what, here I am, like at 15, 16 years old. Um, you know, I had start, to, you know, whatever. Got got into pop punk, and then started to, you know, when I say pop punk, like you know, Epitaph, Fat Records stuff, and then, um, and then you know, hardcore started to take up take its hold as far as like, because this was like maybe ninety five ish or so. So it's like mm-hmm. bands like Earth Crisis, Strife, Snapcase, like that was like my bread mm-hmm. and butter for mm-hmm. a good year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. And it, so then uh, the Revelation Records in flight compilation comes along. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like I wasn't because uh, I mean, as a teenager, you all know. The, the the passion in which you're pouring into the music that you're into is just like you're so focused on this. You're mm-hmm. just like I'm not listening to anything else. Oh, like, yeah. It's fucking hardcore or oh, that. Yeah, like yeah. everything else is irrelevant. I wasn't like you, I, you have to go through that if you're a hardcore kid. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah, a rite of a, passage. It is a rite of passage. Yeah, like, nothing else enters into no. the into the realm of no. of your universe of hardcore. Right. Yeah. And so it was it was it was really funny. So when I got that compilation, yeah. it was one of those things where it's I mean that that was with the days of you know three dollar you know thirty songs compilations and you're like this is the best thing ever not Texas is the reason not Game Face but the Sensual track building Mm -hmm. that was the first not like uh, non-screaming music that I had started to like I was like oh and then I started to wrap this you know basically that opened up my musical palette to where I could be like Oh, I can listen to something else besides something streaming at me. Totally. And it was just one of I those... think that was I think that was the case for a lot of because that, and that was the first song on the comp too, yeah, where yeah, it was yeah. like it was this it was just this, this... you had to hear it totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was no choice, but it was like it to me. I mean, like when I reflect upon that 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 compilation specifically, your band, like it was one of those things where it's like, do people often reference you guys in regards to that sort of like that gateway that like. Help them open up their musical um, perspective. You know, it, 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 people have for many years. Sure. Yeah, you know, um, it was a weird time. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went through the same thing you went through, right? In eighty seven, eighty six, of course, or eighty five, even. Right, 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 right. You know, uh, and I, I didn't listen to anything but hardcore punk. Sure. For years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and nothing entered into no. my world, and everything sucked. But punk rock, and right? While everyone was telling me how much punk sucked, you know what I right, mean? Right, right, so right. I went through the same thing um, when we first started touring. We were playing with bands like Snapcase and Earth Crisis, and and that was commonplace back then. Yeah, yeah we yeah. were playing hardcore shows, '90s hardcore shows, right? And the bands would look at us. Like we were from Mars. Really? Yeah. Like the the this was you have to remember too. This was at a time where there was an actual scene, of course, and everyone knew each other, right. and everybody everybody were friends, right? And um, most kids were in a band, right? It was a really great time. Like mm-hmm. it was a it was it was even though that that, that scene would be considered hardcore, right? It was. It was the 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 beginning of post hardcore as well, mm-hmm, of course. You know, uh, and every all the kids at the early Sensible shows were hardcore kids. I mean, it was a hard. We were, we were part of the hardcore, uh, right, scene, right, right, yeah. right. But we were considered post hardcore, or whatever. Sure. Uh, the the thing that was interesting was we would we would come through town and we would play a show. We were. The only band that sounded like you guys that had yeah right. that had melody sure. and that but we still did have energy right of course it was like a, a the same energy but right with melody a di- right a, di- a different yeah. delivery yeah. yeah with different delivery 
And I, honestly, what this is this is a, a a funny way of looking at it, but mm-hmm. those bands would watch us. A lot of them didn't get it. A lot of kids didn't like it, and we got ripped on. But the one weird thing was uh, we were the only band that the girls could come down to the to the floor, sure, and watch and not get their yeah. nose broken, not feel their, threatened, right, right, or right. not get their teeth kicked in, or get right. their head slammed, or whatever, and. So the girl, we were a safe band for the girls. Sure. Most of the girls were the girlfriends of, of the, the guys, guys in the, the band. Sh- sure. So those guys learned about like would would almost right. They're like, well, I guess I gotta like Sensefield, right? Or 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 they hated us even more. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and then and then the other thing is, I think honestly, what happened, and and this isn't in all cases, and not yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. every in all case, but right, the guys started to realize that they wanted girls to like their band too. I know it sounds cheesy and I know No, it no, sounds, no. Well, it, but, but yeah. they were like they would hear Well, you're they, a teen you're a teenager. Right. Yeah, yeah. so you see this happening for sure. And um we would come through town again 6 months later, 4 months later. Right. And we we'd meet the same kids that were in a band and they'd say, "Oh, we we have a new band. We played with you last time, but that was our old band. We have a new band." It's a little bit more melodic. <laughs> A little bit, it's you know. Yeah. They didn't say it sounded like you, right? But right, they right, said right. It's just, you know, it's a little bit more melodic, and then, but that's and honestly, I know that sounds a weird way of looking at it. But that's one of the ways the scene changed. Mm-hmm. Not because of us. I mean, we right. we're, you were you were a part we of we were right. one one in a million contributing factors to right. how the scene was evolving and changing and morphing and right. I mean it was it was changing in the in the mid eighties. Sure, sure. You know, I mean if you listen I mean look at whenever even Fugazi started and right. all the bands that were playing even like you look at the descendants records in the mid eighties. I mean things were just changing. You totally. know and, and it's just, it's just funny but, because obviously like you you're experiencing it you're experiencing it on the ground level where it's like yeah, you're, you're watching yeah. you're watching these shows change and you're watching like you said these bands change stylistically yeah. to where it's just like wow this is like this is weird that this is all like you know because yeah. you don't have the perspective of like this thing changing besides you're just experiencing it right, you don't have the, pers- right. the overall perspective is it is this lasting is this going to mean right, something right. Like, you don't have any no, you're, you're, you're just off doing in it. the wild frontier like, yeah, it's yeah. Not, you're not it's, it wasn't a calculated thing like, oh, of course right the one thing that that I was always really proud of and that was really really important to me mm-hmm. at that time you know coming out of the LA hardcore punk scene right. from the early 80s of course and all the violence and all the gangs and and, and, and you know the scene in LA was just eventually became a prison yard of I course. mean it was just there's no rules there yeah, yeah yeah and it was so violent and it wasn't about the music anymore and everybody had to be afraid of uh, of uh getting jumped by 30 skinheads or 30, you know, people. Right. And that, the one dream is, 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 I hate to use that word, that I always had was to start, not start, because I I knew we weren't starting anything new, but to be a part of and help cultivate something that was the opposite of that. Sure, sure. That was not violent, right, right. Yeah, that, that, and that's what was so brilliant about the early 90s um, post-hardcore or hardcore scene was I don't remember there ever being a fight at a show. Right. There were things that happened that didn't involve 
the shows or the band or like there were like fights outside of the show not involving the 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 kids oh, right they're at the show right yeah right, kid, right. it wasn't ever kids like hardcore kids fighting hardcore kids of course it's like a you know a, a, whatever a quote unquote jock walking dude, by everybody yeah. stuck together everybody knew each other's names yeah. everybody liked each other mm-hmm. and it was it was a fucking brilliant time I mean it, I, and the way I look at it it was it was a great experience yeah you know? yeah yeah no and especially like you said and a lot of people hold that time very close to their heart man, right right. You know? I always find it interesting because, like the you know the the common the common conception. I mean, it, it's funny to hear you say that it's like you know people look or you know people bands whoever looked at you guys like you were aliens um, because it's like the common conception of that time was the fact that you know you had bands like you know Split Lip Chamberlain or whatever playing you know Ooh. with bands like you know Endpoint and Integrity oh, yeah, or whatever yeah, and it's yeah. like that that was obviously uh, out of a you know there was no one else to play with so like well, yeah but you never hear you never hear that side of where it's like oh yeah like people fucking hated us for a minute like mm-hmm. people just didn't understand what we were doing and it took yeah. a much longer time for them to warm up to that idea yeah. than it did than if we just you know started on our hardcore and, and, and to me the thing that I was always kind of confused about was you know the the one compass of hardcore that I always followed was discord right so of discord course. records and so you hear, you heard all the stuff Discord was putting out. So why was why was it that whatever we were doing was so foreign? I mean, we yeah, were, they was, were putting out stuff that's way more challenging, well, yeah, well, yeah. and way when a lot more years before we started. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. So yeah. it wasn't to me. It wasn't. It wasn't such a foreign concept to to do what we were doing because you figure like, well, if you're a hardcore kid, you have to follow Discord and see. Right. You know, you don't have to like it, right? But you at least have to know, like, okay, this is acceptable, right? The respect, in the, in the, right. Yeah, in the post-hardcore right world, you know. Sure, sure. So it wasn't anything. I didn't feel like we were doing anything that extreme. We were just like a post-hardcore, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? Melodic, yeah, rock, rock band, band. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. And um, That's and funny. there were a lot of other bands doing it too, like Sunny Day and of course Jawbox, Jawbreaker, Sam I Am, yeah, Seaweed, mm-hmm. Rocket from the Crypt. I mean, there was a lot of you know, we weren't just this only band doing yeah, yeah. it. You know, I mean, there was a ton of bands doing it. Of course, you know? yeah, yeah, and um, all putting their own their own take on it, yeah. which, which obviously ultimately helped people open up their ideas of what independent music could sound like. And it's not just this one thing. You know, right. it can encompass a bunch of different things. Yeah. Um, backing it up, the you know, born and raised. Were you always born and raised like in Orange County? Where did where did you? Uh, I was. Come up? I, I'm actually not an Orange County kid. I was okay. born in Harbor City. Uh, in the South Bay, so I'm a South oh, Bay. Oh, okay, got it. Um, you know, like we're like Redondo, Torrance, sure. okay, yeah, yeah, Wilmington, yeah. sure, uh, San Pedro, right, uh, Gardena, all right. those that, that's considered the South Bay, South Los Bay, of yeah, South yeah, Bay, yeah. Los Angeles. So we were a South Bay, we were South Bay hardcore kids. Sure. Uh, what was the, your What was your family structure like? Do you have brothers and sisters and stuff? I have I have a, an older sister, and she actually lives down the street from us right here in, oh, nice. in Orange County, and and. Um, and uh, my dad was an LAPD officer. He he was out of the house by the time I was two. So I grew up with my mom and my sister. Okay. And then um, I was born in '70, which is makes me 43. Uh huh. So I'm not a youngin, but uh, no. but uh, you don't you don't need to got be. into yeah got into music got into punk and and playing in a punk rock band in like '84. Uh huh. '83 we started listening to we heard it in '80 when we were kids because you couldn't help it with K Rock playing. 
right. adolescence, social distortion, you know, sex. Yeah. But you, you'd hear it on the radio. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. Vandals were on the radio. Um, the Clash, obviously, and Ramones and all that stuff with Roddy on the Rock. That's that's interesting that, like, you, that, I mean, you, you phrase it like you couldn't miss it. Right. Um, but... I mean, obviously, a lot of people did. Like, I mean, because I mean, even uh, though even though that's considered, you know, the Clash is like mainstream. Right, 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 right. But the you know the common concept or the common way that people paint it was that like you know you obviously had to do a lot of work in order to find these things. Right. But so you, I mean, was it was it like you and your friends or like you and your sister? How did that? How did no. That, um, or is like your mom just listening to the radio and then these we, things came we, on? We, no, we got it. We, like K Rock became a new station in the in the I think maybe in like seventy nine eighty. Okay. And I remember being in elementary school, and we were all talking about this new radio station. Oh, got it, got it. And we're yeah. just kids. We're of like course. sixth graders or right. fifth graders or whatever. And there was this whole, obviously, new wave mm-hmm. of music, and it was just, it was new and fresh, and it's just something that we all came up on. Got I mean, it. It, yeah, just, yeah, it became yeah. our... Right. Our, uh, yeah, everybody's touchstone, where it's like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, this is something that yeah. we're finding out about. Got it. And then, you know, even when you would hear, like, the Circle Jerks Wild in the Streets... At ten years old, we didn't know like okay, that's punk. Yeah, like you, you when you become a punk rock kid, you have you can you can dress like it overnight, but there's a lot of learning to do. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you need a it's like a you need to right. get an education of on what it is, and and you need to get past the idea that okay, being a punk rocker means just being a snot nosed asshole. Of course, and it's it's actually the opposite. <laughs> right, it's right, like right, right. no, you actually use your brain and you. Try to communicate well, and you, right. you know, you listen to ideas, and you try to balance what you feel is right. And you, it, you, honestly, as 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 insane as it sounds, it, it it actually pushes you to become a better person. Sure, yeah, yeah. you know, right? Because it opens up your mind to a different way of thinking, a different than what way you're of thinking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. And you you question things, and right. you that's the whole goal. Is yeah. like for hunger, it's like. Be yourself. How hard is that? Being yourself when you're a kid. Right. Oh, it's yeah. It's next to impossible. It's only next to impossible. Right. Right. Stand you're just, up for you're, you're just stand trying, up for right. what you believe in and like like what you like, not what everybody else likes. Right. You and know? that's I mean, and that's like that's like it flies in the face of everything that you're being told to do yeah. because it's so difficult to get through those years without yeah. having so much outside input. So I remember when we were. I think it was uh, the first record. It was uh, Black Flags damaged. The or Lance, my friend Lance, who lived down the street from our house, mm-hmm. um, he was one of my best friends. Brought a cassette, and we used to bring boomboxes down to the beach, and we listened to it all summer. Yeah, yeah. So it was like our it was the summer our, soundtrack, right, right? It was our summer soundtrack. <clears throat> and then <clears throat> the guys, different friends, started buying instruments. So a couple of guys bought guitars. Lance played bass, and then um, because I didn't have an instrument, they just had right. me sing. And we would, <laughs> I, I always love how that's the default, where it's like you're always going to have one dude in the group because I, I sang for the bands that I was in, and it's it is 100 percent that it's exactly what happened to me, yeah. where it's like we we're all hanging out, everybody else had an instrument, they're just like, oh, here's, here's a microphone, <laughs> right? And we would, yeah, so we, we we would cover Bad Religion songs, nice, um, <laughs> and we would just try different, you know, sure, yeah, yeah, just dicking around, right? yeah. We were 13 and 14 years old, right? And then um, as we you spent more time going to see bands. We went to all the old, the old classic spots in in LA punk. We sure. Well, you know the the way the way my friends and I look at it, 
you know, if you if you meet a kid that got into it in '77, mm-hmm. we missed we missed the we missed the the punk rock phase. We missed punk rock, right? And we were we're the product of hardcore punk. Sure, we almost missed that, right? You know, I mean, there's some arguments that, that hardcore punk yeah. itself died in '83, right? Right. And so we got into it in '83, right? So maybe we even missed that. And we, I kind of always say that I was at. Punk rock's funeral or punk rock's wake. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> punk rock's wake. So yeah, I witnessed. Yeah. I witnessed. I saw it. I, I I lived it. Right. But we are almost at at the end, the tail end of it all. Yeah. But I see. We, it's I, I. I always I always take such umbrage with that. Like those those delineations, those lines in the sand where people yeah. say like, because I mean, for me, I, like I just use the word like independent music, independent culture, because yeah, it's like yeah. all, all it does is it's just adapted. It's like, yeah. it's just different versions of what happened prior to that. So it's like, that's, I mean, you know, so many people obviously like reference American Hardcore, the movie. And yeah. it's like, you know, the feeling that I got for like, obviously not being able to participate in any of that because right. I was fucking four years old. Yeah. Like that to me, that was like such a, it's such a defeatist way of thinking. Yeah. Of like, okay, well, that that died then, so this shit that's happening now is not as vital as what it was right, back right, then. Right. And it's like, to me, that line of thinking is so, uh, I just hate that, you right, know? Right, 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 Like, right, and right. obviously, it's like a person such as yourself, who has obviously gone through so many different musical uh, iterations, and still has the passion and fervor for it. Right, right, right. Like, that, I mean, you obviously don't follow that standard of just like, whoa, whatever, fuck, like, this is a different thing now, so I don't care about it. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know... You know, I, I would hate to say like, oh, I I got to see all the old punk <laughs> shows, but you know, we we got to go to the Olympic Auditorium, uh-huh. saw the big LA punk shows, sure, made it to the Cuckoo's Nest, made it to Cathay de Grand, mm-hmm. you know, um, some old school cat would listen and go, dude, that was five years after I started going to shows, but yeah, we 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 were kids, we got to see it, we we got to experience it. How was your like? It, how- how did your mom react to you getting into this stuff? Like, was she just like, um, John is into some weird stuff? Yeah. Um, for my family situation, we were just trying to survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, I mean, as a single mother, that's yeah, a we were just trying. And you know, um, I think she was happy. My friends were over at my house every day, right. all day. And you seemed like you had a support system. Yeah, right, yeah. Right, and you're right. into it, and and you know, she was never critical of it. And, That's and good. she, she took us to show, she went to a show one time just to see what it was like. And sure. it was pretty crazy because there was like kids having sex and it was at the Olympic. It was, it was, uh, <laughs> the exploited, I think Kraut played and, and there was like kids in the balconies, like having sex. There was right. kids throwing up everywhere, fights everywhere. You're like, mom, but, is this, yeah, is yeah, this yeah, cool this, if I yeah, keep coming yeah, to this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was fucking nuts. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but she was always supportive, and especially when uh, we started we started playing music and all that. And right. I think she was just happy that I wasn't getting into any trouble. And, sure. And uh, well, it's always it's always and, exciting, like when you see, um, you know, I, I presume as a parent, like obviously once you start to see your kid develop some sort of passion, like that's where it's like you're like okay, like yeah, that that's yeah. good. Like they're interested in something because yeah. that's the last thing as a parent, the last thing you want, where it's just like, I, oh, my kid doesn't care about anything. I'm sure she wishes. <laughs> I'm sure she wishes you were passionate about something else. Like school. Like maybe school or like math or reading. Something uh, practical. English. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Something right. that could actually, you know. So you were, you, were a, you were a terrible student as you were going through high school? Or you just like skated by? My mind was always somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. It was... I, 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 was, I was a terrible student. Right. I was, you were not I, present. I was, I was, yeah. Yeah, I was, they had I was, your body but not your mind. I wasn't... <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> I was always on academic probation. I'm not proud of it, and I hope my son doesn't hear this, but uh, I was into music, and that was right. it, and uh, hanging out and like seeing bands, listening to bands, listening, reading fanzines, mm-hmm. um, hanging out. I bought a moped at 13, and I would just ride it around everywhere. And, yeah. And, and what happened was we ended up meeting a lot of punks from other... We, we, well, we, we grew up in the South Bay, and all the bands in the South Bay seen Saccharine Trust practice in a, a house in Harbor City near our elementary school and we were you know 12 years old watching them practice and Jack Brewer was always like super nice to us and like, just let us right. like hang out and you know uh, that's when I realized because seeing Saccharine Trust I mean it's uh, you know they're an art jazz punk yeah fusion uh, poet poetry right, band, right, right, right. you know and they were really extreme, and then like, seeing the Minutemen, and these are all local bands. These are bands that live like a mile from my house. Right, right. And and you realize, and then you hear the Descendants, and they're they were a weird band. Oh, totally. I mean, for, not, for you, don't, rock, you don't, yeah, you don't think about your rock. feelings. You don't think about your feelings. Right, right. For you don't think about rock, like this isn't it, it wasn't Minor Threat. No, and it wasn't Necros, and it wasn't no, yeah. Agnostic Front. Right. I mean, it was it wasn't abrasive. Right, right, right. right. But it was punk. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously Black Flag, and they were getting weirder and weirder and weirder as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. And um, the Nip Drivers, I don't know if you've heard of Yeah, 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 yeah. The Nip Drivers were, we would go and see them, and, and they'd have these these, these week, weekend parties where they'd play a party on a Friday night, and then they'd play a party during the day on a Saturday, and then they'd play a party during the day on a Sunday, so we'd call them Nip Driver Weekends, and... And they were fucking out of control. They were like, <laughs> right, right. And this is all. This is all like within like a ten block radius. Yeah, this yeah. is our. This is our community. Your hood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so that shaped the way we thought about what punk was uh-huh. and is and can be, can't be. There was no limits. Like all, when you hear all that stuff, you just like like punk can be anything. You right, know? Like right. punk doesn't have to be. Like I said, minor threat, right? Or, of course, which is, is right. You my don't need favorite you, band. You yeah, know you don't I mean? need like, to have the uniform. You don't need like you can right. essentially exist in this community. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 and do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. That's yeah. the whole idea. Like that's where I realized like punk is other than what I thought it was. You can right. do whatever you want. Right, right, right. You and know? so you had the. I mean, obviously, like you were saying, when you had, you know, when you didn't have an instrument and they thrust a mic right. in your face, like so and, you like once you started to play, was it one of those things where you're just like. Yo, this is it. Like, this is... I, I, I just need to play in bands. Like, this yeah, is what I want to I, I had... I, I had been doing it for a few years. Mm-hmm. And then um, we started Reason Leave in 86. Right. That, and that was your first band. That was... Well, yeah. That was my first real band. Right. Like, okay. Where, where we would... We Dude, would but did, did you ever play a show prior to that on, under uh, you know, some other we incarnation? Had, we had a band called Old People. Okay. Um... And, yeah, I know. That's a good band name, though. Yeah, right? That yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. It was funny. I've heard um, worse first band names. <laughs> But recently was the first uh, band where we actively started right you know, trying to do trying, things. Yeah, right, like right, we did right. a demo and we yeah. would go and play like shows and we you know we played with a lot of great bands. Of course, you know, yeah, like, yeah, we, yeah. Um, well, because you reason to believe was always so interesting to I mean obviously like because I never saw you guys or experienced you guys, mm-hmm. but the uh, looking at what you guys were doing where it was just like it was this it, it was weird like you yeah. guys didn't make sense in the context of what was happening right. at that time but but right because 
if you're looking at us from an Orange County angle, sure. If you looked at us from a South Bay angle, that's true, right? You right. know, we were a South Bay band, that's true. And so, when growing up with like what I, we just got to talking about, yeah, you know, you, you do what you want, right? You know, and so it made sense to you, yeah. Guys. yeah, yeah. But but like you said before, um, by default we would play with Instead and who were friends of mine, and right. we'd play with uh, you know Hard Stance, or we would play with. These Orange County sure. hardcore bands, right, right, and right. we didn't really fit in mm-hmm. in musically. Um, we didn't, we didn't not fit in, right, right. But we weren't. Yeah. You know, there was there's a little bit of descendants in reasonably, like sure. talking about girls or, of course, you know, but also talking about the scene, the scene, mm-hmm. you know, and and how fucked up the scene was, and so the Orange County bands, I think, all appreciated us because we weren't. We were our own thing. Right. We were right. we were from this weird place and our own yeah, thing, yeah. and 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 we had our own angle, right? You know, which and like what? How? So how? With reason to believe, was it one of the that was a post like your high school? Like no, you know, I was in high school. You were in high school. Yeah, okay. I was like six. I was sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years old. Okay, yeah, so it was my high school band. Got it. And then yeah. so as you started to transition out of like you know was. I mean, I presume high school, like, you were just completely, you know, you were, by all definition of the term, just, like, you know, a total punk rock kid. Like, yeah. you know, did you did you have those, you know, typical stories of, like, you know, getting picked on, or is that people no, generally, no. like, leave you alone? Like, well, the only time we never got, it wasn't getting picked on, yeah. because we, we had a core group of, of guys, and some of them were gnarly, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, oh, yeah, A yeah. lot of them were fucked up. Right, like, right. And so... But it, it it was more of um, there was definitely a line drawn in the sand between the heavy metalers and the got it and the punks sure so a lot of the long hairs would would this was be these aren't these aren't speed metal dudes these weren't right. these weren't like um, these were like guys that were still stuck in like wearing their Judas Priest shirts or wearing their their Iron Maiden shirts, and they, right. they, they, for whatever reason, you'd see them, they'd see you, and it'd be on for right. whatever reason. So, yeah, yeah, there was that. Um, there was a lot of uh, skinhead issues, uh huh, got it. Uh, but you yeah. guys just tried to stick to your community, and that was that was, yeah, like, yeah. Key. So, yeah, people wouldn't, I mean, people could say, oh, they, you know, punk sucks or whatever, and right. you know, what that, but, but nobody. Nobody would would start shit. Yeah, there, yeah, was, yeah. there was there was uh, enough of us to. Uh, there was more problems with other punks, you sure. know. Just you the know, stupid issues was, that happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just it, that was that was what was such a shame about uh, being. A, you had to worry more about uh, other punks than you did about anybody else. Right, you know? right. Because did you uh, did you have plans like? So, I mean, as 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 reasonably started to you know play out and like obviously you know I mean do weekends here and there. I'm sure. Um, did you you know like did you go to college where you're like oh gosh I can't wait to enter said profession or whatever like what was, what was your mom doing for work at that time like during, just here and there yeah yeah no, I don't even remember yeah yeah, she, yeah yeah she worked at some uh, cl- uh, like a surgical clinic or something. got it yeah, yeah. She was, no she, I mean uh, I think I think when I was in high school I realized like that's what I was gonna do mm-hmm. at least you know um, you know I know. We, I did, I did, you know, Reason to Believe ended right as I was entering junior college. Okay. And we did a tour with Uniform Choice and in, Instead in, in mm-hmm. and uh, across the country. That was my first tour and I was 17. Sure. Turning 18. But, uh... Did that, like, your first tour, was it one of those things where you 
Because obviously the conditions that you were touring in were, you know, like you were probably traveling in. We were in a Jimmy, we're, yeah, we were in a Jimmy, in a Jimmy, like four, four wheeler in a, with a, with a trailer, I think. Yeah. With a <laughs> right. U-Ball trailer. Of course. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, back then in 89, I think we did the tour in 89 and punk was very desolate. I mean, oh, yeah. if you ask anybody, like it was, it was dead. Yeah. Like it was <laughs> deader than a doornail. Like, right, right. It, it, it's crazy to to think about that it would come back in the form of Offspring and Green Day. And <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, be, and well, Rancid too. You of know, course, I mean, right, but to right. think that it would actually come back. You know, what really brought it back was Bad Religion doing the. Oh, of course, it was it No Control or uh-huh. whatever it was. Like it kind of gave us a glimmer of hope. That, right, right. But but traveling across the country and playing in the middle of nowhere, I mean, it was just like, it's non-existent. Right, like, right. Where were all the punks, you know what I mean? Right, right, that right. That was right. crazy. But, I mean, I presume that first tour, it was like, oh, this is what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah that was definitely what I wanted to do. We came home, we had this really good drummer on the Reason Leave record, uh-huh. and Rodney had done the drums on the tour, but he, he couldn't really play the drums as well as the drummer on the record. Oh, sure. And he wanted to play guitar, so we ended up, we ended up just deciding, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna start over, we're gonna start something new and different. We're gonna try to help, like I said, help cultivate something new. Right. And that's the thing. That's the thing that when I think about DC hardcore or, you know, what Fugazi had done, and the idea of let's let's I don't want to say let's start our own scene right because I don't want people to think that I'm saying that we started it <laughs> right 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 but let's let's do our own thing of course and, and anyone that wants to be part of it can follow it but we want to play with all of our favorite bands like Jawbox and Jaw sure, Record sure. like let's do let's just do something let's do different. our version of something yeah, like this yeah yeah, yeah and no, for sure yeah and, well I and, think I mean that totally came across in pretty much I mean, for, you know, especially the first few Setsfield records where it was like, yeah, that you guys were establishing yourselves, but then also obviously refining how, you know, you guys existed, not only within the scene, but obviously how you could exist beyond just playing in front of the people you played in yeah, front of. Yeah, and, 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 you know, it was it was just about shedding the, the skin of, like, I really wanted to not be a part of the violence. Yeah, sure. That was the thing that bothered me the most. Mm-hmm. Was just the, I was I I had grown out of it. A lot of the old punks went and turned into deadheads. Right. And I used that used to like fucking blow my mind. Like, what, how could you right. betray? That's like the antithesis. Yeah. Of what, yeah, like how, yeah. But you know what it was? It was just because apparently I didn't ever experience it but it was a fun time and people were cool <laughs> right and you could party it was positive and it, right. and it wasn't yeah and right. it wasn't you, you didn't have to worry about all the, the drama of course you know? yeah, yeah, yeah and so it makes sense to me why they did it sure you know you grew out of the the, the just, violent just, nature of that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure you know? and, and um, that's just I think that's just how I felt I just didn't want to be a part of mm-hmm. the when we were talking about the attitude of kids thinking of what punk was and mm-hmm. and and you had to everyone that would join into the punk rock community and you had to deal with a lot of kids that still had the mindset like okay being punk means being an asshole being punk means starting a fight being punk means destroying a show right or or, or just being, being ni- nihilistic and nihilistic yeah. Yeah, when yeah. And, and and you had to deal with all these people right that 
hadn't gotten to the thinking of what of, yeah. of where you were at, and sure. you, had, you had to live with it all the time. Like, okay, here we go. Here goes another fucking moron. Right, right. You know that doesn't get it. Well, yeah, I, I don't. I, I, I think. And, I mean, it's it's interesting to hear all of you say that, or to say to hear you say all of that because it's like that is totally a reflection of your intent versus what was accomplished with obviously Sensefield, especially right. like I said, especially with the two records. I mean, it's like the I mean the first two in particular, where it's like those were both like statements exactly against mm-hmm. everything of what you're talking about. It's right. like you know, I mean, you're like love is building. Like come on, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like that that is totally yeah. a statement against all of that of what you're experiencing. Yeah. Um, and I, I find it interesting too with what you guys obviously um, you know. Once, once the you know the late '90s started, to, you know '97, '98, when so much uh, attention from the outside started to come into you know bands like you know you guys, Texas, the reason, like you know the sort of the idea of the major label stuff coming, you know, yeah. a, a part of the part of the play, and then obviously you guys ended up you know signing to a major and then right. having that whole thing. Yeah. Um, was it one of those things like once the outside world? started to pay attention was it just was it just really weird you're like where where are these people coming from like was it you i'm trying to think because it was it was it was so long ago right i think you know when when walter from quicksand got signed to a major i it made me realize like you know what not i don't want to say like anybody can get signed oh yeah yeah yeah, that certainly wasn't right of us like well it's it's not outside the realm of of possibility. Oh sure, right, right, right. You know, there's um, a precedent that's set, and like we and, can't. And to we... be honest with you, yeah, and, and to be honest with you, <clears throat> every one of my friends' bands were getting signed. Right. Oh, like, it, it was a feeding frenzy for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So like you know, Rocket from the Crypt. Yep. You know, I've been friends with John Reese forever, Tim Timebomb, and Matt. Yep. You know, well, did they ever sign? They might not have ever signed. But... They, yeah. Okay, but Green Day. Right. Okay, of Sam course. I Am got signed. Yeah. Uh, seaweed got signed. Right. Into Another got signed. Um, a lot of, almost everybody I knew right. got signed. Totally. So, I didn't, I didn't think of, I didn't think of us as this, like, little post-hardcore band. I mean, I just felt like we were, like, a 90s rock band in right. the, in the, but we're post-hardcore, but... Of course. Like, all my friends were getting signed. Right. And doing their own thing. So it, the, yeah, I, yeah, no, yeah, so I'm sure, because it's like... I, my, I, I didn't feel like they were they were recognizing the scene. Right. I think they were just recognizing the records. Of course. Oh, totally. You, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. That's they, true. They, I, I knew they didn't understand the scene. Right. They didn't understand the context of why you were creating music in right. the first place. Or where we were coming from at right, all. Right, right, right. Yeah. But, you know, I, I see that that's an interesting thought in regards to, like, well, all of my peers are doing it. Like... Right. Well, why why would this not? Why would we not talk to these people? Why would we not entertain these ideas? Well, it it, it, it was at that point too. We had done three records on Revelation, right? And no diss on Rev, but oh. we would back then pre internet, pre cell phone. We would put out a record, go on tour, and people would still say, "I didn't know you had a new record of out." Of course, yeah, yeah, and. And I didn't know you were playing in town. Right. And I didn't know you were even on tour. I mean, so yeah. it got to the point where like we felt we had exhausted all avenues. Of, Rev, Rev was only so big where right. they, their reach had only gone so far. Yeah. And it, it, it couldn't support what you the level that you guys had grown to. That's yeah, just yeah. a reality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we'd spent yeah. however many years touring. And, of and, course. 
with everyone saying they didn't know the year <laughs> right. records out. And yeah, you're like, like, yo, oh. we're in our third record. Yeah. Something needs to change yeah. here. Yeah, I yeah. remember specifically building, we were touring on building, uh-huh. and no one knew we had a new record out. <laughs> yeah, no one, which is not a good sign. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, pretty yeah. brutal. The only right. reason they knew is because they saw it at the merch table in the back. And yeah, that's not, that, yeah, shouldn't be, yeah. that shouldn't be the first line yeah. of recognition <laughs> for the you have a new record out. So yeah, I think, I think, <laughs> I think it was just part of of the '90s, part of being yeah. a band in the '90s, and it it wasn't special mm-hmm. courting being courted by major labels because everybody I knew right. it didn't matter it what was, it was almost it the matter. opposite. If yeah. you weren't getting looked at, you're like, "What the fuck are we doing wrong?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everybody got signed. Right, it right. didn't matter who you were. They right. fucking anything that walked your crawl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you got some sort of pulse. You got some sort of thing going on over there. Sure, we'll go ahead. We'll go That's and figure exactly it out. How yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just, it was just the way it was. Yeah, you know the. Um Something that's always interested me about you know you obviously as a musician as well is like your your voice is very polarizing. Mm-hmm. People either love it or they hate it. Right, right. Like, and I, I mean, I personally like I, I think I obviously enjoy what you do, but I, I think um, has that been the common conception where people are like, oh, I can get on board with whatever John's doing because of how unique your voice is, or holy shit. I can't like it's like nails in a chalkboard or I mean I'm sure it's the sort of feedback that you don't necessarily get face to face but uh you know have you found yourself being polarizing from that perspective I think I think that because I love bands and I love music and yeah. I know I know what it's like to like a band and to like a vocalist and to like a, a song and right um you can't you're never going to please everyone. Yeah. And just like I don't like a band, I can't blame someone else for not liking my band. Sure. Do I, you know, if I love a band, um, I might like them because of their singer. Sure. Or their drummer or whatever. And I can't, you can't walk around, you can't be a singer in a band and, and expect everyone to like your voice. That's not the way it works. Yeah. And um, you get record reviews where people say, you know, how much I suck or how great it is or whatever. Right. But most people don't tell you to your face they don't like your voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, especially me being, you know, six foot six and 250 pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they'll keep it to themselves. Well, of and, course. And I don't blame someone, you know. There's, right. there's bands that I think sound great, but... Their singer, their singer ruins it for me. Sure, sure. There's other bands who I love their singer, but their band ruins it. So yeah, yeah. No, yeah, well, it's, but, it's, a, it's a healthy attitude, obviously. Like yeah. you said, I mean, I think the idea you can't please everybody, and it's just like, well, yeah, it's like this. You, this is what I do. Yeah, you put it out there, and you and you let people decide what, if they of like course. it or not, and you can't you can't fret over. Uh, you can't. You're not going to change people's minds or whatever. You just right. gotta. You just gotta do what. It just is. Keep, yeah. Keep doing what you do. Yeah, and then yeah. maybe maybe they'll change their mind or maybe they don't. Yeah. And that's the way it yeah. is. The um, uh, I find it interesting. Or I mean, a, a, another you know touchstone of your your musical output is the um, you know when when save yourself hit and like the yeah. you know it was so. I mean, especially from from the outside observer, like obviously it wasn't in the band watching people who like had no connection right in any shape way shape or form 
were like had heard you know yeah. save yourself on the radio and it was just like i remember like going to shows because like i saw you guys you know a, a decent amount um and like, i remember specifically going to one show at the glass house you guys were um i'm fairly certain you were headlining huh. and it was like i really felt like the you know a basis of comparison yeah. is a band like jimmy Eat world yeah. where it's just like you know i felt the shift like in watching them from you know static prevails to clarity like you started to feel the shift like at the crowd where right. you're just like okay like you know this is not what i saw them you know years yeah. ago yeah. and i felt that with you guys like where it's Ooh. like that just hit and like was it i mean i'm sure it was just insanely surreal for you guys we're just like what what is all this yeah i mean you know i think um i think at that point after being together for almost 10 years right the fact that you have like that doesn't happen no i know <laughs> that, you know that as you say that getting your song on the radio is very cool right you know it's awesome <laughs> yeah yeah, and, yeah. It's, and and playing the tonight show is awesome right you know what i mean it uh making the video and having people watch it is is it's it's it is it's it's really cool and and uh you know I think at that point I just wanted to enjoy it and not, I didn't feel, I, I had learned to not get too high right. during the high moments and sure. not getting too low during the low moments because we'd already been dropped by Warner. I mean, there was certainly some, um, uh, what is it called when you, when, you know, I, I felt good about being able to survive it and l- like live through it, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, and and, uh, but at the same time, I was wary to get too excited, like oh, emotionally, sure. to let myself. I just wanted to enjoy it, right? And like, well, and, I think, I think, I think that I, th- I mean, I think what you're trying to say. I mean, like the the idea, because everyone always says, and we it's, were, it's, we, I felt vindicated to a certain oh, extent, okay. like after after getting dropped by Warner and. Yeah, you're like, and, yo, we don't suck. We're we're pretty we're pretty good we're, band. We're yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and not in an egotistical way, but yeah, yeah. Right. And and I remember when we got dropped, I I I thought to myself because I was so bummed out about it. Mm-hmm. I decided um, while we, we 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 as a band decided we were going to re-record the record because Warner wouldn't give us our record, so we were going to re-record it on our own. Right. And our guitar player Chris Evenson did the took on that whole that whole monster, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I decided like instead of just sitting around the, the house, I'm going to get a job and I'm going to, I'm just going to go back to what I would do normally, you know, until we get ready to go. Right. So I got this job at a flower shop off uh, uh, Larchmont in, in LA right there. Oh, sure. And, um, and I remember one of the Warner executives came in to the flower shop mm-hmm. and she's, and I was working there and she's like, Oh, you know. Hey. Yeah, like what are you do what are you doing here? And I was talking to this lady, this local lady Pinky, who's like this kind of burnout, like kind of crazy lady. Uh-huh. And she had like pink hair and like I was just sitting there and she was in, in the in the Warner executive was really uncomfortable ordering flowers from this flower shop that I was working at. Right. And at that point we had already started talking to network records who had Coldplay. Yeah. And this Warner executive was telling me she didn't know it at the time, but we were already talking to network and getting ready to sign with them. And um, she was saying how she was trying to leave uh, Warner for a network, uh, and we were already we were already going to sign it. Right, network. right. And so I just remember sitting there like laughing because she was she was f- weirded out. Right. 
by running me, into you, yeah, by yeah, running yeah. into me, like embarrassed for me, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, you're working at a flower yeah, shop. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, dude, this is fine. Like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. just doing my thing. I mean, this weird stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I totally understand. Because obviously, like you know, we we were I was alluding to earlier the fact that you know you've obviously kept up your enthusiasm for music in general, and then obviously with you know the War Generation record, um, it you know I mean. It, without being too hacky of a question it's just like you know what what keeps you inspired to obviously keep creating music <laughs> you know a, a part of it is it's all i know uh-huh and it's all i've ever done and i just love it so much i mean i don't like the business side of it sure and i i well you've never i mean there you can totally tell certain people in bands that are the typical sort of like business people um and even you know not knowing you but just observing you and obviously the way that you handled yourself you never seem like the guy that's like oh dude i can't wait to stick my teeth into a recording contract like i you're just like let me just do this that's all it's all stuff that i could live without right my my thing is to write songs and to create you know i always want to write the perfect pop punk song you know yeah i want to make and I want to bring the energy that I that I, I had when I was young. Like I like the the things that drove me to love music so much uh-huh. as a kid that got me through so many problems and helped me get through life. Right. And the energy that it brought, you know, like yeah, that's that's what I want to put, get on tape. I don't always succeed at it. That's what I want on tape, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I, I'm, I'm constantly in, in, uh, on a quest to right. make this music that can bring some energy, some urgency or some, some, some. Right. Like you, you can, you can be that music for, you know, a prospective, whatever, 14, 15, 16 year old kid. They can I, use. I would love that. You know, that, and that, that, cause that, I know that's what got me through my dark times, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not about, obviously it's not about the money and it's not about. You know, anybody knowing my name, I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. And if you ask anyone, they'll, they'll tell you, like, I'm not, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not in it for that. Right. I want to, I want to make, that's what makes me feel alive and makes me feel like anything's possible. Because mm-hmm. punk rock, that, that era of, of hardcore punk in, brought that to my life. Mm-hmm. And if I can bring even a snippet of that to someone else's through music, yeah, then and and help help anyone get through some just bullshit dark darkness, you know, yeah, uh, that's the legacy I want to leave. You know, sure. I want to I want to be there. I want the music to be there for people and mm-hmm. for the good and the bad, not right. just bad, but right the highs and the lows. You know, the well, <laughs> it strikes me. You know the. The idea that you obviously also want to, you know, tour and still like, because that, you know, I, I think by the time that, you know, most people reach the age of, you know, whatever, you know, late 20s, early 30s, it's like the idea of touring is, um, you know, I mean, the idea of touring and like in a van and like doing yeah. it, um, that becomes very, that, that that's not appealing. Yeah. And like, you know, the, the, the position you're at in your life where it's like, obviously, you're a father, you're yeah. a husband, like, there are all these things like, you know, what... What brings you to spend time away from those things that obviously are meaningful to you? That's the only time, you know, you're a father as well. Yeah. And, you know, you spend most of your time for someone else. Mm-hmm. And that's that's part of being a parent. And that's what we do as right. parents. Right. And that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love it. But at some point, you need to do something for yourself in mm-hmm. order to 
to even be a good parent. That's true. You know? Yeah, yeah. You have to have your own life within that life. Yeah. Your own creative world. Right. Or whatever it is. Through work or through friendships or whatever. Whatever you you find Or else you'll be unhappy. That's true. And then you bring the unhappiness to your family. It's true. And really, uh, the only time I feel comfortable within with, with doing something for myself mm-hmm. is when there's loud guitars, there's drums, bass, and mm-hmm. there's a microphone, and we're traveling and we're playing. Like that's where I feel like I'm comfortable. Right. Yeah. It's it's yeah I, yeah. No, you find you find your place. No, I, that's it. But like, I really I feel at peace. Like that's right. where I want to be. Yeah. Not to say I don't want to be at home with my kid. That, of course. That has nothing to do with it. Right. But if I'm gonna do something for myself. That's that's, that's that's where I feel at peace. Yeah. Well, I find it really. I I, I like that you hit on the idea um, because I, I totally think this is generational. Especially, I mean, because like I'm I'm 33 and like you said, you're you know you're 43 and there obviously there's there's some years difference between that. Yeah. But the idea that especially from you know I guess a previous generation where it's like the you know whatever the fathers and mothers it's like no nose to the grindstone like working mm-hmm. jobs they hate. And then obviously there's that that context of what you're yeah. talking about yeah. where it's like they bring that weight home. Right. They bring that negativity of yeah. just like, like man, I'm not doing yeah. fucking anything. And like yeah. their their time for themselves is like, you know, watching a ball game, you know, drinking right. a beer yeah. for 40 minutes. And like that's like no like release, no. you know. And so it's interesting that you're just like, hey, like this this time away will make me a, a, better, a better dad. Yeah. Right. And, you know. Because you have a son as well. Yeah. My son and I are like Siamese twins. When we're together, we, we, we are together right. nonstop. Right, right, right. And he relies pretty heavily on me because he's turn, he just turned 10. You know, I want him to become a little bit more independent and mm-hmm. not, not rely so heavily on me for the small things. Yeah. You know, get yeah. yourself dressed, get yourself breakfast, get yourself yeah. cleaned up, get yourself, take care of your own stuff. Right. You know, get yourself a glass of water, and you'll you'll experience this as as your son gets older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A big part of that song, "Do It Yourself," right on the on the record, uh-huh. was I'm trying to teach my son like you do things for yourself. Do do it yourself. <laughs> yeah, take yeah. care of yourself, and in whatever aspect of life you're you're working on. You right, know? right, right. And I think being away has made my son a better kid. Uh huh. Because it's he, true, yeah, yeah. He, he has to. Relax. And, and look, I was away for six weeks. That's not a long time. It's a long time to a kid, but right. you know, you can FaceTime now. Before you couldn't do that. You know, right, you right, can right. see each other still. But I think it's an important lesson for him to to become a, a just more self reliant. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, and and to break away for a minute, you right? Know, to see what it's like, like when you're you got to do stuff on your own. Sure, you sure. Know? So the last thing I kind of want to hit on was the, um, you know, the, the idea that, like you were saying, you know, you've obviously, especially from like the musical perspective where it's like, you know, you've, you've had highs and you've had lows and like people obviously always experience lows, especially when they're dedicating their life to a creative art. Cause that's yeah. not easy. Like there's a, that it's never met with the, Oh, like, okay, you're going to be a lawyer. I understand yeah, that. Yeah, it's yeah. like, Oh, I'm going to be creative. And it's like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. You know, so what, what proverbially like, you know, pulled yourself out of those lows where it was just like oh like you know whatever we got dropped by warner or like what are all these all these low points that happened within a creative life um you know what i guess what inspired you to pull up you know out of that 
And I'm sure there's different instances oh, for different times. Of, there's a yeah, million yeah, yeah. of them. Yeah, there are a million of them. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I think having a family helps. Mm-hmm. Having people that like you outside of being a singer of a band. Right. Having really good friends. You know, I have yeah. great friends. I don't have sure. a lot of them, but right. they're they're in it to win it to, right. the, to the end. You know, right? And so having always a... having a sense of belief of like, you know, I never stop looking for. It's so it's such a it's such a huge question. I know it is because there's is. a lot of years of and course. there's a lot of bands and there's a lot of yeah 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 yeah. You know, having a family, um, right? Always being interested in music. I mean, there's a part of me that never wanted to do music again. Of course, I'm sure. My best friend, Greg, um, we were talking like probably even three years ago. Mm -hmm. And I just said, dude, I'm done. I'm never going to do it again. And then the next thing you know, I'm writing a record. I mean, it's just one of those things. Like you just, you, you, you can say what you want, but it's, it's just not going to leave, you know? And, and I think I just decided I'm going to just keep, keep doing it right i don't know something kind of clicked in my brain where if, it's like hard as long it's, as, as it's hardwired in you yeah it's hardwired in me and as long as i can i'm gonna keep doing it and it's it's harder it gets harder and harder every year because you gotta how do you not care about what people think of the thing you care about most that's true that's the that's the thing and you you really have to just go forward with blinders on and just uh-huh. say fuck it like fuck it Right. Fuck it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the thing. You just, you have to stop caring about what people say and what people think. Sure. And if you're too old or you too, it's not punk enough or it's too punk or you don't sound like anyone else. You sound too much like this person and, (laughs) and you, you just, you can't win. Right, right. You just, just, just do it. You just make your own, make your own music and, and stop caring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop caring about the thing you care about. More than anything besides your kid. Right, right. You know no, no, I mean? of course. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, mind-blowing, yeah. No. Well, it's a fucking high-wire act. Yeah, know? it is, it is. Well, yeah. I really appreciate you hanging out and spending the time. Yeah, and it was, you, it was uh, went to some fun places. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> so that was John. Awesome, right? I just really like to hear a perspective of a kind of a generation before me in regards to going to shows and how different it was, but yet there are some similarities, and then how I just love the direct reaction of him going to shows and seeing so much violence and being like, I want to be in a band that doesn't embrace any of that. And I don't know, it's just so cool to see those direct correlations play themselves out and to obviously hear it in the context of a person's musical career. So, really appreciate John. Go add his band on Facebook. Like I said, War Generation, they have a new record out because I'm stupid I can't remember the the title of it but just just google war generation or war generation rise records and you will find it almost immediately they have the whole record up for streaming on youtube so just there's no reason for you to not check it out you will like it i promise propertyofzack.com 100wordspodcast.com the illustrious editor for this episode as always is tom richfield and until next week thank you very much and be safe everybody